Hey, Nathan, do you know what they call a quarter pounder in France? Hamburger. Now dig on this. Where, where, where? Bonjour. Wee, 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 wee. Welcome to Classic <laughs> Movie Banter. You know that podcast where me, that dude, Brenton, and that other Frenchman over there, Nathan. Where, where? We talk about films that are 20 years or older. 20 years. Fuck, how old is this movie? I'll edit this out. What's the actual... 1963. We're in 2020. <laughs> Fuck, what year is it? I've got to do the scan. Fuck, so what is that? it? It's 33, 83, 93. 57 years, right? 57 years. All right. <clears throat> yeah. 57 years. Whoa, Nathan. It's like you knew that off the top of your head. I did. And and we tell you, our lovely, lovely listeners, if these films are still worth watching today, and more importantly, if they're worth chucking on your projector on a Thursday night with your mates, have a few drinks maybe, or not. Maybe have a few Panthers. Poor Blake Edwards. He's probably rolling in his grave, the idea of us watching this <laughs> on like our iPhones. He's, just, he's like, this was made for a screen. <laughs> if he's American, but I'll make him French for this i reckon uh you know because obviously this episode this episode of classic movie banter which is our 130th a a whoa you're not canadian it, it was released in 2020 so maybe sometime in the future a few decades from now people are sitting there with their like holographic projections just being like macbook what the fuck are these boys talking about you know what i mean what like, is I'm a macbook watch this on- <laughs> <laughs> what is a macbook yeah and they're and they're like you know they're fucking like on some streaming service and it streams the hologram to them. Here's the thing, that will never be a thing. You know, like, you know, in the Hunger Games, how they have their, like, <laughs> stupid hologram TVs? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's what yeah, they yeah. thought this was going in, like... Maybe it'll be, like, more like a VR thing. It's, yeah, like, it's not. You know, it's gonna maybe... be glasses. Everyone's gonna wear fucking glasses and your whole bloody vision. People put on their movies. headsets, you know, they put on their fucking, you know, Harry Potter spectacles and they go to Hogwarts or whatever. That's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah, man. What are we doing in 2020? Get us out of here. <laughs> I want to know what we're doing in the future a few decades from now when everyone's in VR land. I really hope that's what they call that console vr land just like (laughs) (laughs) off we go it sounds it sounds like the demo for it you know what i mean you know how like the wii had like wii sports you know what i mean and there's always like a demo disc or something that comes with like these new systems or whatever and it's like vr land come to vr land and there's like all these like kooky characters on the front of it It, it's it'd be like adventure time or something like that you know what i mean where there's like you know like there's just normal people walking around but it's just fucked like everything's just like weirdly animated made to look like really enticing but it's just kind of eerie at the same time it doesn't really know what tone it wants to be it's just vr land you know what i mean but nathan we're not here to talk about that no we're really not (laughs) (laughs) we're here to talk about this is on the why is this on the list actually do we did we mention this in a previous episode the original pink panther i can't even remember why are we here what are we doing this for guys we're reviewing pink panther no no not the steve martin movie you fucks we're here to talk about the original 1963 american comedy film directed by blake edwards now nathan do you know what blake edwards also directed? Um, a lot of the Pink Panther films. Clue. Clue for Nathan. We've reviewed one of his films before. Dude, that's like a fucking huge catalogue. I don't know. Babe One. <laughs> no, I can tell you right now, it was not Babe One and it was not The Last Temptation of Christ. It was, in fact, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, there we go. All right. Cool. Great. Pitch me this movie. Thanks, Nathan. I will. 
Can you pitch me the movie? Pink Panther. No, it doesn't involve a literal Pink Panther, even though the title credits would want you to believe that. No, we're here to talk about the Pink Panther diamond, which is this priceless diamond that has like a little a little thing on it that makes it, you know, original. And that it's got is a little like, bit of a tram stamp at the back, you know? <laughs> basically, like it, it's got like a little, little smidgeny thing on the inside of that diamond that in the light looks like a panther. I think that's like leaping or something, you know what I mean? So that's mm. why it's called the Pink Panther. Anyway, there's this fucking diamond and it's gone... Missing. It's owned by Princess Dala from uh, what country is what what country is she from? I, I'm not sure. For reasons we'll get into. But uh, basically, the, the diamond goes missing for various political reasons. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the people of that country are like, no, the Pink Panther's ours. And she's like, but my dad gave it to me. And they're like, fuck you. We don't care. It's ours. And then uh, at the same time, there's this French idiot called... <laughs> Local French idiot. Here we go. There's this French guy called uh, Peter Sellers, and uh, <laughs> and he's he's inspecting what could have possibly happened to the Pink Panther. His travels are also causing him to hunt down this notorious jewel thief known as the Phantom, who is at large. So they say. Is that like the comic character, the Phantom? No, 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 no. Not 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 that guy. Oh. You know, otherwise this would be called the Purple Phantom. I don't know. The Purple Phantom and the Pink Panther. Just just stop with the P's. And the All colors, right, jeez, you know I mean? calm just, down, mate. Just let me finish the pitch. Basically, this this Frenchman he's with his wife, you know, and they're in some cottage in the Italian Alps, looking for this bloody jewel and who could potentially steal it. And um, yeah, it doesn't really actually focus on the French guy all that much, actually, but he is kind of the main character, I guess. Anyway. That's the Pink Panther. Hilarity ensues. All right. <laughs> Let's imagine I'm a studio executive in the 60s and, and I've heard that. To be fair to me, that was pretty terrible. But to be fair to me, I think with my pictures, I like to reflect the tone of the movie. You know what I mean? And so for me, that was just kind of all over the place. Like, there was no consistency. <laughs> it was just fucking everywhere. Well, that would have that would insinuate that we reviewed a lot of inconsistent movies then. Or maybe that <laughs> this movie is just inconsistent. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so cool. All right. So this French fucker's running about in the Alps trying to find a diamond. All right. So he's doing that. Is there anything else or is that the whole movie? I don't want to get into it personally. Right. That's why I omitted that from my pitch. All right. What what type of movie? Is this a is this a so is this a serious crime drama, Brenton, of him trying to find this diamond? No, it's it it is a comedy, hence why I said hilarity ensues. Ah. We learn about, you know, the thieves as well. We learn about the other perspective. We learn about what they're after and and how they try to con people into into gaining their wealth and their jewels and whatever. And people you might not think would be involved. Ah. <laughs> Mate, I'm hooked like a five-year-old has do- like gone fishing for the first time and they've completely missed the fish. I'm that hooked. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. When they whip it back to try and like throw it, cast the line out and it's just the hook's just gone through the cheek and mum's screaming and, you know, they're calling the ambulance. It's it's a horrible oh, situation. But it's interesting okay. to watch. The Pink Panther, Brenton. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, I'm, a- I'm avoiding, you know, I'm stalling right now. I don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to have to. Nathan, what do you think about the movie? Oh, it's a, it's a hot mess isn't it it is a hot mess which is weird because like this film's like pretty well known for being pretty funny and pretty great you know what i mean this is revered isn't this this like this is a classic that's that's what i mean like it is an essential classic some would say but when i was watching it i was just kind of like meh like there's lots of other things that like do what it does better 
You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that mm. this film doesn't have its own identity. It does. And Peter Sellers is, is the main reason for that. But at the same time, Peter Sellers, who is a great comedic actor, and, and I think there's two things in this movie that I can really compliment. It's his performance and the way that he kind of, he kind of makes like, he's kind of like a Rowan Atkinson in the sense that he makes like the most ridiculous shit that happens, you know what I mean? Or the, or the most clumsy physical comedy, just like normal, you know what I mean? And so it is funny oh, in that sense. Nah. I think him as a as an artist is brilliant. Oh, but I think Peter Sellers in general is genius. I think he is so bloody talented and I love him in a lot of his stuff. Yeah. In this one, in this at least in this Pink Panther movie, I, I was like, you're an idiot. I was just like, you're an actual genuine idiot <laughs> with not a single redeemable feature. Like every time he would fuck up or bumble around, I'm just like, you are a hazard. You're a literal walking hazard. <laughs> like you should be wrapped up in something. Like absolutely. Yeah. No. He. He is. He is. Like his character is completely. You're right. There's not much redeeming qualities. No, I guess he's barely a detective. Like the most obvious clues are put before him, and he still kind of just like goes. Ooh. <laughs> like, also, like where he finds, because obviously there's points in this film that he finds things out or he discovers things, but he doesn't discover them. No. He just gets phone calls that tell him like literally the facts of the situation, and he's like, "Oh, thank God, I solved that." Oh. It's like you didn't do it anything he, he your priorities nothing. are literally not in order in this film jesus like and like that is inspector clouseau like, that is the character like yeah and, like, exactly but he's not that dissimilar to mr magoo you just like he's just fucking about <laughs> and it's by pure serendipity that things work out for him like but like i said it's not like he's the main you know he's the top billing guy in this movie well, he's the really. main character but like david niven is like as big of a character in this movie but that's what I mean. The film doesn't center around him at all. No, it's only it's only because like in hindsight we look back at these series and go, oh, Inspector Clouseau, he's like the standout character. In the same way that in Curse of the Black Pearl, Jack Sparrow isn't really the main character. It's more of Orlando Bloom's yeah, story. But totally good comparison there, by the way. I was gonna make the comparison in the sequel. In- Took it right out of your mouth. Well, well, well done. Uh, much respect. Like, well, I feel like we're very much on the same page this episode. The other thing I really want to compliment in this movie that is genuinely incredible, and it's not surprising that it was such a feature of Breakfast at Tiffany's as well, is the soundtrack. I oh think my the God. orchestration and the music is just absolutely brilliant in this movie, and it elevates it. You know, like it, it, it is, it is outstanding. I think it sets the scene. There's so much diversity in the musical score. Like, you know, oh, yeah. it, it takes us through all the different scenes. And so it, many people like would have heard this Pink Panther tune before the movie. Like. Like, most people would only know the tune without the movie. And, like, it does that thing in a la, like, Ocean's Eleven where the music so is integral to the tone of the film. Exactly. Like, yeah. without the jazz kind of, like, background stuff, it's, it was not as jovial. And, yeah, I'm all for it. The points in this movie, especially with, like, the music and the performance, I was going, this is what Bond should do. Like, old Bond. Bond? Yeah. I was, like, I was getting a little bit of vibes where, like, where we're in this beautiful European setting, we got this kind of cool, fun jazz music, and we got this inspector kind of working out what's going on. I'm like, this is a little bit Bondy. In that sense. And I'm like, Bond could get a lot of lessons from this where it could have that joviality kind of injected into it. But yeah, I, I, I hear you. Like, if you're going for, like, a, a kind of fun, rompy spy yeah. movie, you know. That's, one of the that's, earlier that's, Bonds. Yeah, one of those Yeah, ones. exactly. And maybe maybe a Bond that is, is in a singular location as opposed to, like, charting, you know, everywhere in the world, you know. Yeah. We, well, it's funny because, like, this was filmed in the same place For Your Eyes Only was filmed, this movie. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't done For Your Eyes Only yet on the podcast. but No. But when we do, we'll be like... Like, where's Clouseau? Is he, is he running about? We'll be opening some windows, checking the laundry service, you know what I mean? Just seeing where the hell that guy is. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, for most of the movie, I was asking him that. I was like, where is Inspector Clouseau? Mm. Why are we hanging out with these uh, Sir Charles so much? And no, I don't mean the literal Sir Charles. <laughs> 
<laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, but Brenton, like the Phantom himself, this movie commits a lot of crimes, Brenton, and I want to start listing a couple of them. Oh dear, go Nathan, go. Please, take it away. And the first one actually I want to pose as a question to you. Did you find this funny? As a comedy, were you laughing throughout this? Look, I'll be honest. I hope so. Oh, uh, <laughs> up till now it's all been fibs. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> no, I look, look, I can probably count the amount of times I laughed audibly on one hand. <sighs> and and in saying that it would probably be around the two mark. It wouldn't. We wouldn't get past the three. Like it wouldn't even be a majority of of the of the no. of the of, the, of those fingers would be. And up. all my gags that I loved, all were probably towards the end of it. Yeah, around probably going into the third act. But then there was a point, like the third act, like you know, there was things. Like I noted it that it was all funny. This is the thing. Like it didn't make me laugh, but I noted that it was humorous. <laughs> like it, 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 I think you're saying that in a very scientific way. It's like a man falls over a icicle pole. That is meant to be funny. It's like, like I should be laughing. The climax of this movie, like the premise, and like if you if you told me the joke and like the hilarity that ensues and what happens in the in that sequence, yeah. like I'd be like, that sounds fucking hilarious. And then I watch it and I'm like, yeah, that's funny, but it hasn't done enough to get me to. Love it. And it's not like the humor's that outdated because like I feel like this does what a lot of like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels does as far as like it's 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 approach towards humor. And like whereas we loved it in Scoundrels, this one it feels just so antiquated with the way it's delivered, not the actual premise of it. Because there's there's definitely a lot of slapstick, and you know, I can get around slapstick if it's done well. But for this one, it's so situational based. It's like, oh my god, this character is looking like this now. And that's meant to be the funniest shit in the world. And maybe back in the 60s it was. But like yeah. I just and also like Inspector Clouseau just fucking about it's meant to be the funniest shit on earth in this movie but like he's just so idiotic i was just wondering if there was a scene cut at the start where he was just dropped on his head i was really thinking about this i was like what what is it about him that makes me not love him because like on paper like again, <laughs> it's one of those things i look at it brenton is it because he's french is this your anti-french no, it's, coming hey, out here hey stop that you stop that <laughs> i know i didn't study it in school but stop holding it against me okay uh he'll never eat a croissant to the listeners no I, I i i look at peter sellers and i go and i go look he's doing a fantastic job like everything he's doing is right like you yeah know, like yeah, it's like he's not trying like he's putting it in he's selling the gags he's doing what the screenplay's telling him to do you know it's it, it's working but for me what doesn't what takes me out of it a lot is that what i want in a character like clouseau is is someone that is like lovably just like always trying like striving to win like so to speak like striving to yeah. like fix the case to solve the case whereas for most of this movie he doesn't really give a shit about the case and his primary goal isn't that and what his primary no. goal is is like is is nowhere near as let's say interesting or, or lovable as, no. as what his goal should be and that would be fine because I think that side of him as well is funny on its own but it can't be like the main goal because then we get stuck like there's a sequence of this movie where we get stuck in that for like 20 minutes of just like this oh, gag that just about keeps that. going in this situation that keeps unfolding. This movie is so fucking slow. Jesus, the pacing, like, oh, like it's two hours, but Christ, I was crawling through. And when the same gag repeats, I'm like, why in this two hours are you repeating this for so long? I agree with you for the most part. I think the, I, I'll be a bit lighter on my criticism though, because I think it's mainly the first act. The first act doesn't grab you at all. It's so confusing. There's like yeah, that's four what I mean. different time periods introduced. There's like way too many characters. Oh, this is what I, this is what I was going to tell you off air, but now I'm going to tell you on air, Brenton. This is the first movie we have ever reviewed for the podcast where I have had to pause the movie an hour in, look at the Wikipedia synopsis so I could work out what the fuck was going on. Nathan, I have something to reveal to you that I did the exact same oh, thing. And it was, again, it's that whole first act. I think, ah. I think it's really badly paced and it's, it's not handling its exposition well at all. And the 
thing that saves it to a certain extent and, you know, kept me intrigued, so to speak, was the soundtrack. I was like, oh, I'm getting this vibe from it, so I think yeah, this is what's... but a soundtrack can't carry a movie. Exactly. No, I agree. I totally agree. When Once the second act hit, I was intrigued to a certain extent. I was like, oh, is this what the movie is? And it and it ended up being like that's what it was. And I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, this is entertaining enough. And then we got we came to the point that I was kind of referencing before where there's a sequence in this that just goes on for too long. Yeah. We'll talk about that particular moment in spoilers. But it is it's just And then so going into the third act and back to that climax I was referencing before of going like, oh yeah, on paper that's really funny and like, you know, I can see that that is funny. It's just not hitting home because by that point I'm kinda like waiting for this movie to finish. Yeah, like to be honest with you, mate, like if we weren't reviewing this for the podcast, I would have switched off and, and stayed off probably by the end of the first act. Yeah, I agree. I was really tempted to do that. I'm like, maybe I can just like try and trick Brenton into thinking I've watched it. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should just see how far this can go. But I'm like, no. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to finish the movie. I'm going to do it for you listeners. Do you know when you gave that thumbs up for road games, was it because like you were actually like like skipping through it? Like you weren't no. actually watching the movie. No. You were just like, ah, Brenton won't know. All 130 <laughs> movies we reviewed or whatever, it is like i swear to god i have sat through those whole films and like lovely listeners as a as a visual reference nathan has got his hand in the air right now like yeah i I swore to god and like i can sit through land before time but i almost couldn't sit through this and it's like there's just so much there's just so many things that just irk me about this movie brenton like there's i mean you could talk about the whitewashing you you could you could talk about how fucking fake the diamond looks the whole movie (laughs) we've we've discussed like a lot of like the technical issues but like you know the white washing to a point is just like it's just like a given at a point you're just like this is just like so bad but it's also really confusing because it like yeah where are they from (laughs) like it's about this princess's diamond being stolen the movie opens with the princess's father in fucking india giving this diamond to a young indian girl who clearly looks indian that's right gives her this diamond and then we meet her as an adult and she's like a fucking zaza gabor kind of heiress and i'm like what the fuck happened here this ain't no michael jackson situation like how the fuck did this happen that's what i mean it's a it it took me a while to figure out that they were the same character yeah that's that's what i mean like it's not even look the whitewashing morally it is very wrong like you know and and we don't have to really have that conversation like all we can say is like we've done this for a bunch of old films on this show it's just there what's even more insulting is that it like really confuses you as to what's going on and like it makes characters look the same as well because like oh. the makeup like styling like oh yeah there's like fucking three other characters that look identical to peter sellers yeah that's what i mean so there's like there's like a bunch of characters that you're like that's person's meant to be a different race but they look like like the same character as peter sellers i'm like, so what's the fuck's going on is he is he got like a olive skin disguise like what is happening I just don't and understand then you realize it. and you're like oh Oh, it's just bad what washing makeup. It's just horrendous. And it really is. Like like the princess is like butler or whoever he is. Christ, yeah. that's the worst whitewashing. Like, oh. Yeah. Like but again, like like we can we can have a whole discussion around whitewashing and why it's bad, but it's like, you no. know, like I just don't even know if the film deserves that. It's cuz at the end of the day, I'm I know what I'm writing this. Well, let's move on then. <laughs> let's move on. Number 2 that pissed me off, the diamond. Christ. I've seen some fake jewelry in movies before, Brenton, but for, well, for the titular <laughs> Pink Panther, that must be the shittiest fake jewelry I think I've ever seen in my life. Jeez. Mate, I was getting Dollar King vibes, you know what I mean? Oh like, you know God. when you go into a dollar store and there's like the kids section where there's yeah. like all the toys and like, and they've, they've got like fake crowns and shit and like just some like fake- Peter Sellers is just like truffling through all of it. You're just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I don't, have you seen Inspector Gadget 2? I have not, unfortunately. Oh. I remember bits of it. I, I remember, like, moments that there's, there's clips, like there's the female Inspector Gadget, okay. whatever, but... Inspector Gadget 2, 
the main plot of that is concerning this giant fucking jewel that they're gonna like point a laser at to like freeze time in Brisbane City. That's not a joke. That's legitimately the plot of it. But the giant jewel <laughs> in that B movie looks more convincing than the titular Pink Panther of this film. Wow. Oh. Well, okay. I'll make it. I'll make another reference. So there's a certain jewel that Mr. Freezer's trying to steal on oh Batman and Robin, and that Thank was you. that was more convincing. Yeah. That was more convincing than this Pink Panther. Like that, at least the jewel, at least the fucking set designer could do their job, but evidently not. The one thing I will give the set designer and the biggest compliment I think I could give this movie is that, good lord, this makes me want to go to Europe so bad. Like, the setting of this movie is beautiful. Like, the whole film, I was just literally thumping the couch going, like, why the fuck am I not in a chalet in Europe right now? I'm like, I want to be there. I want to be there now. Yeah. Oh, it looks so good. Yeah, I mean, like, I know, I noted that as well, that the production design was, design was really good and, you know, like, it was it was a beautiful landscape and, and whatever. But, like, it, it made me think. It was like, they were like, oh, let's splurge our, our cash and all this. And then, like, in, like, the final, like, production meeting, like, you know, before they started, started um, production the next day you know what I mean like they they were on set the next day someone went guys we we haven't organized the pink panther jewel and they literally went to dollar king and we're like well <laughs> this will have to do like like feck like Peter Sellers walks up early like an hour early on set and like hey can you do us a favor and they just like give him like a little ten dollar note like off you go <laughs> he's like okay and following on from that like the thing number three and I'll, I'll wrap it up with number three that pisses me off are the characters because like there's it's so this I don't want to spoil it but like this film contains a Okay. And like, it's done in a way where like, no one is likable. The person committing adultery is not likable. The person they're committing adultery to is not likable. And like the mistress or whatever the male version that's called is not likable either. It's a weird subplot in this comedy that just doesn't work. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Nathan. And because like because we don't like any of these characters or, or we don't warm to them, I- I'm very conflicted as to like what the filmmakers were trying to make us feel towards them. Like, was no, it meant to just funny. be a moment of hilarity? Were we meant to not like the people that were committing? Were we meant to feel for the victim in this situation who's the person that isn't aware that the adultery is being committed, that is like thinking they are happily married or whatever? But then the ending makes you think otherwise, that maybe you were meant to like these characters and want the best. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so, yeah, so, I, so I just I was yeah. very conflicted and very confused as to what I was meant to think. The only character I really warmed to a little bit in this was the princess. Actually, I kind of liked her. I kind of liked what she was doing. She reminds me of the main chick from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, so the one who kind of one ups him. Like she kind of knows mm. what's going on. Like I kind of respect her for that. Mm. But like at the same time, there's just so much bullshit. And like the the younger character, I didn't care for. The only thing I liked about the younger character was how he looked. Because Brenton, in the same way that Rocky Four wanted us to buy a jacket. This movie, Brenton, makes me look at the younger male character in this movie and want to buy the combo of a blazer and turtleneck. Nathan, I'll tell you what it made me think of just then as you said that, because I believe that the turtleneck was yellow, if I'm not mistaken, that he had like a like a mustard-looking... Yeah. yeah, he wears a couple turtleneck in the movie. Uh, sweater on. So imagine if you had, as a, new, as a new kind of fashion look, that you fashion yourself, you know, that turtleneck, right? Yes. That yellow turtleneck. And then you have over the top of that the jacket from Rocky... How's that for a look? I like where you're going with it, but I think the classiness of a blazer versus a leather jacket kind of subdues the turtleneck a little bit. You know when you got like in the 60s, like same thing with Graduate. Mm. You saw it a lot in Graduate where they had like the white turtleneck and then it'd be a blazer over the top. Fuck, it looks so cool, dude. Like, it's so fucking cool. Like, I'm gonna buy that after this review. See, see, look, for me personally, like you do you, dude. Like you do you. <laughs> I reckon- Brenton's like, I'm gonna stick to my jacket. <laughs> but 
for me, I just I, I just don't know if I could go there. I don't oh. know if I could do... I don't know if I'm totally enough for the turtleneck club. You know what I mean? Oh, Christ. You know bloody Master... What's that Kung Fu, par- Kung Fu Panda character called? Uh, Master Master Ugwe. Master Ugwe. There you go. You know bloody Master Ugwe, Brenton. <laughs> Can you imagine the turtle in that movie? Just in like a little turtleneck and blazer. Just like... Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeet. Or, or, or like maybe like he's got the turtleneck under like on under his shell. So like you just see the top of the noodle, uh, like where his neck is poking <laughs> out of his shell. You see the top of the turtleneck, like neckline coming up oh, as well. Yeah, I don't know. He don't he don't need no blazer. He's got a shell. Let's rate it. You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? I'm giving it a thumbs down because look, I look, I understand that this movie is like you know renowned for whatever. But for me, watching this today, like I can think of, I can name a bunch of comedies off one hand that I would that that have a similar comedic style to this that are more consistent and more fulfilling as well to watch. Oh yeah, dirty rotten scoundrels. <laughs> yep, that would be one of them, Nathan. You took the words from my mouth. You literally took them. Put ah! back. Oh, I got it now. You can't speak anymore. Listen. As I have it. Um, yeah, Thursday night. Christ, I'm trying to imagine my friends if they watch this on a Thursday night. No, don't do it. Um, it's funny because, like, I guess we'll talk about this a little bit later on. But, like, with the Pink Panther brand in general, I I know that the sequels are better. I have heard that out of, like, the five or six or whatever films there were in this series, they do get better. But, like, I don't know. I'm just not that inspired to hang about, honestly. And, like, yeah, if I want to watch some old great comedies, Christ, the Python guys do this better. Anything else by Steve Martin. Oh, actually, not anything else by Steve Martin. We'll get onto that. But, like, you know, there are other options. <laughs> So, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Pink Panther. There are other options, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Sorry, sorry, Pink Panther. But look, let's just spoil the shit out of it then. Because, yeah, let's like, just you know, spoil we don't, it. We don't care at this point. Throw in some paprika. Just spoil it. Oh, I do like paprika. Ooh. You spoiled it. What? The movie. Oh. All right, so let's get into it. The first thing I want to talk about is that fucking is that fucking adultery sequence in the in the hotel room that just goes on for too oh long. That involves like a vase of flowers smashing, involves a whole bath that is taken at one point, multiple Christ. people under the bed, people out the window, people crossing into like different rooms and shit, people like, you know, getting fake phone calls and leaving and then coming back and just fucking like sex that one person wants to have with someone, but really they want want to have sex with someone else and then there's two other guys in the room as well i feel like this was the civil war like airport sequence of their day the sequence that just started and kept on going and it's just (laughs) yeah and like you know it got to that point because you know because you know what (laughs) i i can i can genuinely see sorry that was just such a stupid reference that was so great well, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I could see people in the 60s genuinely getting around this and laughing their asses off because this probably would have been, like, funny as fuck back then. And like, oh, my God, like, he's an idiot and he doesn't know she's with him and also that she might be a MILF. And it's like, oh, it's bloody Mrs. Robinson again and, like, all that kind of stuff. So, like, I could see them in the 60s getting around this and they're like, feck, look at this, like, he's in a bath. How 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 scandalous. But, like, it gets to a point where I just went from, like, ha-ha to, like, what the fuck is going on? I was fuming with anger when fucking Inspector Clouseau, a bloody inspector, you don't just get that title easily, looks at a fucking footprint that's wet in his own goddamn hotel room. And he's like, wait a minute, what is what is all this? And, like, his wife's like, nah, let's just have sex, eh? And he's like, no, this is there's something wrong here. And then he just, like, looks at her and she looks as though she's just been, like, slapped in the face because she's so fucking nervous about all this. And he's like, screw it. Flicks off the light switch, jumps onto bed. And... As he's about to fuck her, a champagne cork goes off in the bed. They get covered in booze. And he still doesn't fucking twitch to the situation. What is going on? He doesn't figure out anything. Like, he literally figures out nothing in this movie. 
Like, it just kind of all happens around him and he gets phone calls, which is fine. I like that. I really like that. That, like, I like characters like that that are just kind of there along for the ride. But, like, they still have to offer something. As the audience, we're the ones that are meant to be there along the ride, mate. Not him. Exactly. Exactly. But, again, he's the, he's, he's the main character and he's, he's providing most of the laughs. And on top of that, like, what does he call his wife? Like, how, like you can take a drink every time he says calls her. What does he call her? Is it my darling or is it my angel oh, or something yes, like that? Oh, yes, something like that. Oh, my God. God, I, oh. I was so over it by the end of it. I was just like, this sequence has gone on for too long and they've just been fucking calling each other the same same name. And then like after the champagne, like they clean it all up and then he goes back to go to bed again. Like it just keeps oh. going. <laughs> it never ends. It's the never ending sequence, Nathan. He just angers me every time he's with his wife. Why the fuck did he, does he whip out a violin in bed? Like, is that shit funny? Oh, that was funny. I thought that was funny. No, but like that wasn't the funniest violin gag. That was funny like when he, when he whipped it out and was just kind of like in bed and the lights turned on and he had the violin like I was like alright that, that's that's pretty funny again like I didn't oh. laugh out loud but I noted I was like that's funny but the bit that did make me laugh was when <laughs> this is actually funny <laughs> it's like the surprise is just coming to Brenton now <laughs> he set the violin away right to get fixed and you know during this whole adultery sequence this is the one time I laughed during it he comes <laughs> back and he goes let me test to see if it's, if it's still good and he plays this fucking song that it's just like the worst like playing oh. of a violin like you will ever you hear you can tell Peter Sellers has never held an instrument in his life oh dude that's why it's funny though I laughed my ass oh. off and he's really impressed with it he's like mm, it's very good <laughs> <laughs> and his wife's just sitting there taking it just like slowly nodding I think it was funny as well because it was kind of like the actor knew it was funny as well like the actor was yeah. in on the joke was just like mm, I can't play violin for shit but that sounds good uh, cause, cause you know you and me we both play string instruments and just watching that I'm just like oh he would get booted out of a room in two seconds if he did that in front of an orchestra like oh it's just it was just <laughs> unbearable Brenton I just couldn't do that what do you think our old orchestra coordinator uh, Mr. B would think of uh, that, oh, that Christ. violin If our playing. high school teacher who taught us the strings, if he saw this man holding this fucking instrument, he would just he would just scratch, he'd just put his hand on his head and just shake it and just be like, what What are you doing, mate? Like, he has no skills. I was hoping the one time he'd actually whip out the violin was when he'd do what we saw in um bloody, what is it, Tomorrow Never Dies, when Bond, like, rides the cello down the mountain. I was kind of hoping Inspector Clouseau would do a similar thing. No, The Living Daylights, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, in The Living Daylights, because, like, this past week, like, I've been, like, having conversations with various people in my life and that scene has come up like three times really from the living daylights as in you brought it up or they have i brought it up once and but everyone says the same quote of like they go past the you know the the immigration kind of desk thing and they're <laughs> like we have nothing to declare only the cello <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great if you knew that gag as a kid because at the end of each rehearsal you could have just like said that to your mum as she picks you up like oh we've got the cello to declare like oh <laughs> totally there's so that's a whole like because i hadn't seen living daylights before we, we did orchestra together in high school. Like, this, all the cellists miss, missed out on, like, a, a vintage joke right there to just, like, yeah. say every time they came in. Or, like, or like when we had to tour or get on the bus or whatever to go to the Estedford or whatever we had to do. You know what I mean? Missed opportunities all around. But thanks to Classic Movie Banter. If you watch that episode... <laughs> if you're a young cello player, get in touch. Get in touch. Mate, get in touch. Get inspired. Start whipping that that cello out and make it cracking that joke. Oh. I guarantee someone will like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Brenton, why is there a full music video in the mo- middle of this movie? Why not? 
as they say. It's just, it comes out of nowhere. It, it, it literally comes out of nowhere. It goes for like a full three minutes and it does nothing for the movie. It's just this random chick just like having a party. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, man. And everyone's just kind of there. Everyone's just kind of there oh. hanging out. Like there's, there's a lot it's of a scenes like that in this movie. Like the climax, the climax, the party at the end, like. Everyone's just oh kind of there, and it's okay. It's like Clouseau's wife's there at the end, what? and I'm like, why Why what? is she there? What the fuck is the theme of that final party? <laughs> like, what is the theme? You have every costume known to man. I think the costume department literally just, like, emptied out their wardrobe and just said to all the extras, pick one, <laughs> and they just went wild. Mate, the moment in that scene that is still the most confusing to me, and then it came back for another gag later on, was the was the zebra that was, like, oh drinking out of the fucking trough <laughs> behind them as they were trying to have a conversation. Oh Oh my God. That <laughs> almost stole the movie. Look, there were so many things that almost stole that movie. Oh, a beautiful movie for stills. I'll give it that. Absolutely. How does it work? How does the how does the how does the zebra actually drink out of the punch? I have no idea. I have no idea. But later mm. on, we find out that it's a two person zebra. You know what I mean? So like, so the 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 two crooks are trying to get away in their gorilla suits in the cars, and then you just see the zebra chasing them dr- down the hill as like this onlooker's like, "What the fuck's going on?" Oh my God. And there's two people in it. This, so what was the other <sighs> guy going? Directing, directing like there's a there's like a a straw system in that zebra head oh yeah the guy got the short straw for being the ass so like. the guy that's the ass like has like a little pipe that goes up to the mouth and he's like wait can you get me a drink and it's like i'll just stick my head in this one start sucking right because also the guy who was the ass like he probably couldn't see anything so like he has no context to this so as he's like just in the back of all that this shit's going on like oh by the way that chase scene where all the cars are going around the roundabout with that old fucker just watching went for way too long like way 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 too long again that was that was a vintage moment that i could literally say is was one of those moments that i referenced before being like i understand that this is funny you know like i'm watching this and i could be laughing to this (laughs) but it's not getting me because because the timing isn't right like it just goes on that bit too long Though I did, I did chuckle to myself when that fucking two-person dr- zebra... I want to say giraffe. Get, get your animals right, Brenton. Zebra ran down the hill. Because, like, really, like, if, if you're undercover as an agent or, you know, an inspector or whatever the fuck you are, you know, and, you, and you've chosen to go to a party with your partner as a fucking zebra and you're the ass, Like, you know, and they're like, oh, man, like, they've gotten the cars, they're getting away. Do you then continue to run, like, in your zebra outfit? Like, oh like as, 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 a, as a couple of agents, like, one behind the other, like, down the hill? We know why it's stuff for purely comedic reasons like that's the only reason like this movie is completely illogical and, and it really is illogical you know what there was the biggest gap in logic for me brenton there was a line in this movie where the nephew discovers that his dad's the phantom right and like so charles is saying like fuck like jo-, and he says the line george has found a do-it-yourself phantom kit that's the line so that makes me think is is the phantom who's like this big jewel thief did he just like fucking like order this kit online as like a do-it-yourself kind of phantom thing and then just kind of like went about <laughs> just like robbing all these places okay here's an interesting idea for like if we were not that the that we would at the moment but if we were to add this film into a like the classic movie banter cinematic universe oh the babe cinematic universe yeah 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 exactly like do you think do you think that like the phantom is actually like an alias that like a bunch of just like petty thieves like buy the go-to like how to package from online and there's multiple phantoms oh i'd get around that well there probably are that's the thing 
Because, by the way, I don't believe for a second David Niven is like this expert jewel thief. And we actually watch him trying to rob the place. He's probably one of the <laughs> shittiest jewel thieves I think I've ever seen in cinema. Absolutely. He's just he's just walking about in plain daylight in the middle of a hall. Like, what are you doing? His mask is pretty funny, though. Oh, my God. His initial mask, like his little black robbery, like, you know, burglar, burglar mask is just like ridiculous. And then finally, he dons another outfit when he when he finally dons the gorilla outfit as well. And you have the two gorillas that are like, again, it's a fun, it's a kind of a funny thing. Thing, but like again like the gag's gone on too long before that and it keeps going on too long after it we get it they're gorillas and they're robin bank it's like, just it's just it's not funny. funny none of this is funny i did laugh a little bit when um his minion like um takes the car and like crashes it into the snow and like you know they got the dog and you know the guy skis past and grabs the dog gives it to the princess all that kind of stuff but i like the idea that after that scene where the dog is given back to the princess and the henchman he runs off on a sleigh he grabs the sleigh with like the reindeer or whatever that are tugging it and kind of just like goes off into the forest. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Like that is the easiest thing to track down and find. And they're not moving that fast as well. Yeah, look, you're right. Like I, Nathan, what I love about having you on this show as a co-host is that you pick up these things. You know what I mean? You pick up like the little, <laughs> the, like the little moments that like, you know, I, I note at the time because I remember having the same thought and then like just like throwing it out. Like, because like your brain can only contain so much information. You know the reason why? I bring this shit up. Why? It's because I, because you and I have both been on film sets and we know that a little moment like that that we watch in the film that would have gone for a couple seconds is a day's work. So we know that there are people who are spending days on this little little gap in logic and no one's batting an eye and saying to the director, oh, wait a minute, or, if you really think about it, th- th- this shit isn't working. It's like, you know what I mean? Well, think of it this way. Maybe this film was such a mess, potentially, that the, that the finished product we got had already had like a bunch of problems emitted from it, if that makes sense. Because at yeah. the end of the day, like I'm looking at this director and I don't necessarily blame him because I look at his other, his other works. I look at Breakfast at Tim- Tiffany's, which apart from the, oh gosh, there's a theme of whitewashing here, but apart from the Mickey Rooney content, like we really enjoy that film and we think it's, you, you yeah, know what we I mean? Like it. if we omitted that whole, that whole character from that movie, like it'd be great. Yeah. You watch something and that movie's well paced. It's got a great climax. Yeah, it's all good. But also that movie was written by Truman Capote. So like there's a difference. I think it is in the screenplay. You get to balance it. Like, yeah, I don't know. The only other small thing that, that I want to bring up with you, Brenton, and this is, a, this is actually not nothing really to do with the movie. This is something I want to ask you. In this movie, there is a lot of, characters kissing the hands of other characters right you and we've seen this a lot in old cinema right where someone of, of authority holds out their hand and they get a little smooch on it what you, you know it oh i do know that i do it all the time you do and i have to keep pulling my hand back brenton yeah yeah just bring it here no Ooh, ugh, cuties <laughs> just just be just act normal it's fun Ooh, i'd have to wash my hands Ooh. but here's the thing like this is the movie where it cracked for me because I genuinely don't think, okay, if I was someone important, right? Not that I ever will be. If I had my hand fucking kissed like that all the time, I think I would hate it. Like, imagine if you're a person of royalty. Would you actually get around people doing that to your hand rather than shaking that? Like, actually giving it a little wet kiss? Oh, gosh. When you say wet kiss, it just doesn't sound right. Nathan, I'm not sure. If I'd been raised in that, in that, if I'd been raised in in that community like perhaps i'd I'd think on it differently and see it as normal here's my question to you nathan like i mean like now if people started kissing my hand i think it's pretty weird but my question to you is would you enjoy kissing the hands or would you rather take the kisses neither i reckon they're both a bad bucket mate like i don't want any of that (laughs) shit i don't want to be blood and spread and disease and shit who knows where their hands be and you're fucking pecking it it's the worst you can do gun to your head now and this this dude is just like you know he's, he's got the gorilla suit on and he's saying nathan 
turn, there's there's a hand there. You can either kiss it, and there's a set of lips next to it, or you can take a kiss on the hand. And you have to choose one. Which uh, do you choose? I'd rather take her because I can just wash my hands after. But like you know, the princess isn't even wearing gloves. <laughs> She's just taken the shit bare. And I'm like, Christ, it's amazing they're not all sick right now. Nathan, thank you for being sanitary and and for, you know, keeping your distance and you know you you were you were the MVP of social distancing thank earlier you. in the year. So so thank you for, for looking after us all and keeping us safe. This is a year of cleanliness, Brenton. I'm just trying to keep the hopes up. I as as we as we've both discussed, enjoy kissing of <laughs> kissing the hands. So uh, I don't really see what the issue is. <laughs> but it is a, I get your point. It is a weird thing. Like Isn't it is a it weird though? thing to kiss someone's hands, which they. But it's like it's it's weird as well because like you know monarchs back in the day, people would like you know there's the classic. Yeah, I get what it meant back then. I'm just saying like. No, no, I'm saying like you know kissing of the feet as well. Like people like going oh, oh bless geez. you sir on the feet, which is just like a whole oh, other kettle. They give me bloody last temptation of Christ vibes. I don't want that. So Nathan, about that, do you mind if you just give me a little kiss? On the no, d- Brenton, you let go of my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> you let go. <laughs> I can't even say that joke with a straight face. Let's get to the next segment. Special segments. Special segments. Ooh, so special. All right, Brenton. Serious question. Is this movie worth a remake? Now we can have this conversation. Jesus Christ. We haven't mentioned the Steve Martin stuff. This movie was remade. Yeah. There's the Steve Martin ones, which I, I've seen scenes from. You know, and I remember seeing. I mean, them actually watched it. I haven't watched the full full film. Like I've only seen like a few scenes. I've, oh. I've seen that the. There's end... two of them, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen the hamburger scene, as we referenced at the oh, start. That's the only thing I remember. It. I've seen both, and the only thing I remember is that hamburger. Right, you've sat down and watched both. I... <laughs> it makes it sound like I like returned from Antarctica. Like, wow, you've been there. <laughs> I have. I sat through both of them. <laughs> what? What? What was it like? Oh, uh, so many <laughs> fake accents. Um, but but in all seriousness, like. I remember watching that as a little kid and being like, oh, that's funny, funny man, Steve Martin. I love Steve Martin. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you sound like such a fucking mobster boss just then. Ha, it's funny man, Steve Martin. <laughs> Thinks he's a big funny man, he does. <laughs> Nathan, you're just poking uh, him with watching a stick. those scenes later in life, I, I realised that there's not very good, as they oh. say. But like, here's the thing, like in saying is this movie worth the remake, do you reckon, it can, can you make something really excellent these days with this property? Like, Absolutely, absolutely. If we were to cast it, like... Right now, like on it, like you could cast so many people as 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 in, as the inspector. Get someone actually French to do it. Yeah, well that Marion Cotillard swap the gender. Hey, I, I'd be up for that. Be gracious, just burst into Levion Rose. I watched Marion Cotillard's like cameo in Anchorman Two. Oh, she's great in Anchorman Two because isn't she like the French Canadian reporter? Yeah, but like I don't think she's that. F- I didn't think she was that funny. Like she was with she was next to Jim Carrey. Yeah, she's next. To, you're not gonna be that funny next to Jim Carrey. Like that's what I mean. Like I was yeah. like I was like whoever made that call, that was a bad call. But I'm glad she's there. Like you know. But I appreciate she's there. So. So maybe if she had like a titular role to herself, you know, she she had her own film. It was all based around her. It could work, Nathan. I would, you know what? Actually, I just want to see French cinema make this. There are so many funny French actresses out there in French cinema. Just give it to the That's French. True. Just make it in French. Get them to do it. <laughs> like, you know, give it give it back to the French. Who is it? Get Luc Busson on top of it. He's French. I can't do a French accent for shit. I'm really bad. Oh. That's why I always get you to do them. Like, yeah, well, also, I, I, I learned French over like 10 years. So, like, it took a long time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nathan, I said I was asking you to do the accent. I wasn't asking you to toot your fucking horn. Oh. Jesus, just calm down. I'll toot, <laughs> it, I'll toot it in French for you. Let's toot, let's toot. Wee, oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> 
Maybe we should get Brenton to do it, listeners. <laughs> the extent of my French accent is just like doing the French taunting scene from, from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh. And you know, that that is fun in itself. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could I guess it could be done correctly. <laughs> what about a musical, Brenton? Should this movie be a musical? Oh dude, if I was gonna remake it, I'd make it a musical. I'd love mm. to see this like of Broadway would snap this shit up. You know what I mean? Like like you know what? It'd work as a musical, but I could even see it working as like a stage play, if that makes sense. Oh the stage adaptions of like these old comedies that that are you know that that tour around the world like you, you see th- something like the play that goes wrong i love that i've seen that i was literally just thinking i that. think i think something like that but doing it like pink panther style could be fucking really oh. cool you know did what i mean? tell like, you did i ever tell you when i saw the play that goes wrong in london that's when i met richard hammond no you haven't tell that story nathan oh it's not much of a it's not it's not much of a story i was like seeing the play in london it's like 2015 and it was like right after top gear got shut down because Jeremy Clarkson was like, right, like, fuck you, I'm going to punch the producer. <laughs> so they're like, maybe let's not continue this relationship. So it was like right after that, but they hadn't announced the grand tour yet. No one really knew what was going on. And so I was in London seeing this play. I can't remember what theatre. I think it was like the, the Princess or the Palace or something like that. And like, I was in the line for a bar and there he was. And he was just there with his wife. And like, people in front of the line were trying to take like sneaky photos of him. But like, they weren't really getting the right angle. So like, I'm like, who are they? What are they doing? So yeah. I went up to him, tapped the shoulder. I'm like, hello. And he turned. He's like, hello. I'm like, oh. And I recognized him. I'm like, I really love Top Gear. And he's like, cheers. And um, there was like an awkward pause because I didn't expect to actually have a conversation with him. Yeah, right. So he's just kind of standing there. And, and then, then his, did you just leave? Oh, no, his <laughs> wife suddenly went to the bathroom. So it was even more awkward for him because he now was just proper alone. So I'm like, fuck, I've got to start this conversation. Yeah. And, I'm, and I love Top Gear, but I don't follow it religiously. So I couldn't really ask him any deep cut questions. I was like, oh, yeah. so how's it all going with the new show? And he's like, oh, you know, we're trying to, you know, do something besides Top Gear. We're trying to get the boys back. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. And I'm like, is it going to be as good as Top Gear? And he's like, oh, I really hope it is because if it's not then we're gonna be fucked <laughs> and i'm like oh and he said that verbatim <laughs> by the way and i'm like and i'm like oh okay and he's like and then like there's another awkward pause and then i'm like can i get a photo and he's like yeah we can get a photo and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like thank you so much and like it was just so weird it's just that thing where you just ah oh, celebrities man that's an awesome story he seems like a cool dude i'd like to have a have a chat with that guy. That's, well, it, it had better work, otherwise we're fucked. Yeah. That's, I mean, hey, yeah. that's, that's show business for you. you. You did tap him on the shoulder, Nathan. I so, did tap him on know. the shoulder. But that's okay. Like, good on him for, for turning around and giving you the time of day. It was nice that he did that, but we did see that night the play that goes wrong. And I'm like, and it's very slapstick. It's a great play. So like, I could definitely see them do something with Pink Panther with that. That's what I'm thinking when I'm thinking like stage adaption as like a play or something. Do it something like that. I think it'd be really cool. Like that whole sequence, like I know we said it was really like laborious in this movie, but like if you updated that sequence in the middle a bit with like the whole adultery thing or whatever and like added some more physical comedy into it like you know added some more stakes to it as well it could be really good it could work and i want to bring back a fan favorite segment we have on this show brenton the listeners love it i'm bringing back battle royale (laughs) 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 this is a segment we've done in previous episodes we've had like the it kids versus the goonies because we've had all these different combos in this battle royale brenton i want to have the pink panther versus the black panther and I want you to tell me how this fight would go. Okay, so look, the obvious answer is that the Black Panther would win easily, like hands down in like two seconds. But I kind of want to look into this a bit more. Yeah. Because I feel like if Inspector Clouseau just like kept fucking about like so much, it would like, 
undermine T'Challa so much that it would just be like kind of insulting that you know that it would just take him back and distract him enough that like Clouseau could like get away scot-free if that makes sense. It like could. I don't know if it'd necessarily be an interesting battle. It'd just be more like Clouseau like fucking like falling over something. Well that's the thing. I think it has to be location based. I think if Clouseau was like walking around the Wakandan castle like where the royalty family was and he was just like fidgeting with all the things they have there I reckon he'd eventually like stumble into like Shuri's lab press a button and then just kill them all. <laughs> no. Right. Okay. I like your version better. I th- I th- I think I think that makes more sense. <laughs> my my version there's no actual battle. Like it's just no, kind of like just... someone does dumb shit and everyone goes, "Guys, let's get out of here." But here's the thing. <laughs> That's Inspector Clouseau. What if we actually got the titular Pink Panther, like the animated Pink Panther? We make it live action like an actual panther. Oh. And we had that fight the Black Panther. Well, I think the Pink Panther would win because like the Pink Panther can bring things in and out of existence. Yeah. You know what I mean? He got, grabs a bucket of paint at one point like he's <laughs> Exactly. So he could just like wipe the Black Panther just like, <laughs> like you know just like erase him it's like bloody forest Whitaker's just on the side he's like who would fight for the mantle of the black panther and then just like the fucking like pink panther rocks up just like and like the other thing as well about that pink panther is that that in, in like the last the ending of this movie it gets run over by a car and it just gets up it's like oh yeah whatever oh we never mentioned that I'm so sorry, Brenton. We completely forgot to mention this in the spoilers. Is how this film ends with Inspector Clouseau being framed. We kind of referenced it like in the non-spoilers. How I said yeah. that the end of the movie makes you think like, oh, well, if he like if he we were meant to care about these other characters that yeah. we just couldn't give a flying fuck about personally, and like you kind of didn't like them as well. Well, that's the thing. This is one of the very very rare movies where the bad guys genuinely win. And that's it. Yeah. At first I was like, no, like absolutely not. <laughs> like that that's a terrible ending. And then I was like, oh, you know, like it's kind of funny, like the funny gag that he kind of, again, like the, the character is such a fucking dickhead that he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, it was very hard that, you know, I couldn't, I that I that I did all these fucking. I was the only one that zipped you. <laughs> but again, like does no one in this jury or in this like, you know, or like any of the lawyers or attorneys or whatever just like go, oh, well that, that jewel was obviously fucking placed on him like you know what i mean oh. like he's been set up like no one brings the fucking pink panther to like the the court of law where no. you know the the case is going down you know what i mean like it just makes no sense that's why i was like oh well that's cheap brenton were you just waiting for like bloody atticus finch to just rock up to the court and just like <laughs> slam <laughs> slam down his little briefcase be like do your duty <laughs> So I was just so confused as he's like escorted out of court that everyone else just stands up like they're doing Mockingbird. Yeah, totally. And it's so stupid as well because he actually loves that he's the Phantom at the end. It completely undermines his arc because he's been given all these flowers. And he's like, actually, yeah, fuck it. Oh. I thought it was I thought it was a bit underwhelming as an ending. I was just like I, I felt I felt like I was done dirty. But see what's not done dirty usually on this show, it's what stills this movie. <laughs> Ooh, it's blinding. There's a still, links below. You know, you know the gig. Alright, this picture. <laughs> There's a scene in the what movie. A description, Nathan, of this segment on the show. If you're new to the show, you'll get it. Right, we, we, we take a picture of a movie. Anyway, so, like, there's a scene where the princess is, like, you know, flirting with Charles. And she's lying on this tiger skin, Brenton. And, oh boy. What, how would you describe the tiger's expression as it's, as it's dead? Uh, if I could make a sound effect that would sum it up, it'd be like this. <laughs> it's like the worst taxidermy I think I've ever seen in my life. It looks like it's meant to, like, I don't know, be on... It looks like it's meant to be on, like, the chorus line in some show, you know what I mean? Doing oh. the kicks. It's got a cheesy grin, and it's weird as well because she's, like, cupping its, like, mouth strangely like and its eyes just look absolutely insane it looks as though it's been like electrically shocked <laughs> yeah 
Absolutely. And it's so funny as well because she's like laying on it as like there's this like really sexual tension in the scene, but it ends with her being wrapped in the tiger as she's dragged out of the room. Yeah, it's like it's its facial expression is literally the most distracting thing ever. Like she's actually like having a moment in the movie, and like again, we like this character, we like the actress, we like what she's doing with the part, and then there's just that face underneath her face that like your eye is just constantly like going down, going like what? <laughs> and then there's there's another still later on, which is the one I thought you'd choose if you were gonna choose like there's a moment later on when like like Charles comes in on that as well and he's kind of like close to the tiger as well and it's the three of them in the shot. This this yeah. tiger gets a gets a lot of screen time in the movie. It really does. It's, they're like, fuck, we need a panther in this. Tigers are pretty close to it. I guess we'll throw it in. <laughs> exactly. Big cat. Big cat. Uh, Joe Exotic would have a field day. Oh, Nathan, <laughs> let's look at this film's poster. Blanton. Yes? Let's look at this film's poster. But is it art? Despite our criticisms for this movie, Brenton, this is a pretty badass poster. Oh, it's pretty good. But again, like initially when I looked at it, I was like, wow, like these these two dudes with the mustache look the same. You know what I mean? Don't they though? Especially in this poster, yeah. Going back to the still discussion though, I love that the tiger made it to the poster. Like I just love it. Oh that. my god. That <laughs> yeah. like, that that never happens on this show. That's something that we pick in the stills, like is in the poster. I like that the violin's in it. I like that he's in in bed with his inspector uh, jacket on. I like that the the champagne's going off. I like that the George, I think it is, the young nephew is yeah. going to skis and, 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 his, and his ski poles. And then uh, what's his face? Charles is just fucking about under the bed, which he does a lot. So. There's a lot of characters that go under that bed during the movie. It's a, it's a good piece of art. It's a, it's a good drawing. So yeah. I, I think it's... It reminds me a little bit of like the Mad Magazine cartoons you get back in the day. Yeah, totally. A bit all over the place like this movie. So so yeah, I'm, I'm down for this. Yeah, I approve of the post. I don't think there's much I'd change about it, frankly. Like, you know. The only thing I'd change about it is is that like the slogan, I think, is a bit, is a bit you know, in terms of marketing, it's, it's, it's doing the low blow. It says, you only live once so see the pink panther twice don't tell me what I what I have to see twice, <laughs> movie poster. Yeah, the audacity to be like, you know what? Buy two tickets to this movie, bitch. Like, <laughs> wow. Well, I'll, I'll fucking do what I want. Thank you very much. Imagine if like if like Marvel put that on their posters. You know, it's like you know what? See Avengers four times. Go on, you nerds. Like it wouldn't fly, would it? Yeah, but you know the thing is the thing is about Kevin Feige. He knows he doesn't have to put that shit on his posters because he knows people are gonna go see <laughs> that movie like six times. He tries every movie, like, but the same marketing guys like, no, Kevin. I, we've told you before, like, we're not doing it for this one. Kevin, stop it. He's like, guys, I just want to edit the posters. Like, we're, not, no. we're not panthering it, Kevin. Stop it. Like, but I made a panther movie. Kevin, get back in the box. <laughs> you know what? Kevin. I like to think that Kevin Foggy actually isn't running Marvel. He's just some, like, guy they've got in a cage that they only bring out for public events. Just like, <laughs> and he just, like, he's like the Ben Kingsley figure of Iron Man 3. He's just, like, taking the role, you know? I was about to say the same thing. I was going to say, like, the the way they came up with the Mandarin concept for Iron Man 3 was that they were like, well, <laughs> let's just use Kevin. Do, like the Kevin Foggy story. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great just like Kevin's on set and he's like muttering like I am the Mandarin like we know Kevin like <laughs> Nathan title, title talk. Talk. Ooh, it's the title is the Pink Panther in the Pink Panther like yes the jewel is in there I was and like the animated animal kind of is so like, I guess we can give the movie props for that but like I don't know were you kind of hoping for an actual Pink Panther look we did we did get the actual Pink Panther though like the animated one so I, I'm fine with the title it's mm. more it, it raises questions because you said that there's a plethora of um, sequels to this movie. Return of the Pink Panther, Trial of the Pink Panther, like all those ones. Is the Pink Panther in like fucking all the titles? Yeah. Like, well, that's the thing because the jewel's stolen by the end of the movie. So is that just like the MacGuffin for all these films? God, like it's such a boring MacGuffin then if the, this fucking jewel just keeps coming back. But maybe that's the hilarity of it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it does raise questions about the, the, the titles for the next films. 
if we ever review those. We will never review them, Brendan. I'm, I'm saying it now. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Whoa, you're putting your foot down, right. Nathan. I'm stomping on that jewel, and I'm giving that power to the people. Pass it here. What? The power to the people. Power to the people. I'm looking at the critics' consensus on the tomato meter, and it's got a critical consensus of 88%. That's pretty high. Yeah. With an audience score of 78%. People love this, Brenton. And it made money. Hence why I got all these sequels and made 10 mil back in the day. Damn. Dennis Schwartz from Oz's World Movie Reviews, love you, Dennis, and your reviews, uh, gave it a rotten review and said, I found it overrated, which is kind of the sentiment we've been expressing over this yeah. episode. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? It is. It is. Is pretty overrated. Like I don't know. I don't know which Pink Panther movie you watch. Probably one of the sequels that we haven't touched. Like I don't know. Dive in there, see if it's good. And nor that we will touch them because Nathan's put his foot down. John J. Puccio from Movie Metropolis. He did like it, Brent, and he wrote Clouseau is a character that must go down as one of the great comic creations in motion picture history. I don't see it. <laughs> Brent is like squinting, like ah. I don't know. It's just a shame with this kind of comedy. Like, it, it, it really does feel like yeah. antiquated in a day. Adam K gave it four stars and said it dragged at times. And I do think it was a good choice to focus more on Clouseau later on. But when it was funny, it was extremely funny. I don't know if it ever did actually focus on Clouseau later on. Are you saying that, like, when he puts in plan the how he's going to catch the Phantom at the in the third act? Maybe I don't yeah. know. But um, but getting back to the point of when it was funny, it was extremely funny. I wouldn't say this movie is extremely funny. I'm trying to think, like, would you reckon kids would be laughing a lot at this? No. They wouldn't get no. it. It's all about adultery, dude. Yeah, I know. And, like, it's just such, it's just such a weird portrayal of it as well. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I think if you're going to give kids this Watch Steve Martin's. Yeah, probably. I mean, like, I can vouch for my fucking seven-year-old self being like, oh, Steve. <laughs> um, there we go. That's all I have to say about that, really, Nathan. Anonymous uh, wrote, gave it two and a half stars, Brenton, and wrote, um, only saw clips off YouTube. Pretty funny. Yeah, that's how I'd recommend watching this, actually. I'd, I'd look up, like, a best hits montage of uh, of Clouseau. Yeah, like, from the first film, for sure. I reckon I reckon do it. Why not? Yeah, probably the best way you can do it. Matthew H. gave it two stars and said, it's sad how the remake of The Pink Panther is funnier than than the original. Whoa, Ooh. shots fired, Matthew H. <laughs> this film has not aged well, and now it seems slow, dull, and boring. There is little humour to be had here. Yeah, well, now it makes me want to go back and watch the remake again. Yeah. And see. Maybe it's not as bad as we remember. I remember the second one being god-awful, but maybe the first one does have some redeeming qualities compared to this. I hope so. Jim P. <laughs> wrote on YouTube, I wish people still made the effort to dress nicely. And you know what, Brendan? He raises a good point. I kind of I kind of like this aesthetic. But yeah, this movie has inspired you, Nathan, to get back into Turtlenecks. Mate, so, you watch. Turtleneck and Blazer, I'm going to bloody rock it. it. Mate, the photo shoot next year, Nathan's going to be rocking that shit, you know? Oh, like I, I'm going to be standing there in a regular, you know, regular shirt, and Nathan's gonna be like, "What are you going on?" It'll be like you pointing at me with like a raised eyebrow while I'm like, "Hey, I'm in the turtleneck." <laughs> Ruby Tuesday Gypsy, interesting name, uh, says the man trying to cross the street reminds me of my grandpa. Well, that's nice for you, Ruby Tuesday Gypsy. But probably watch out for your grandpa if he's crossing a street like that. Well, yeah, I, I, I wonder if that grandpa ever ran into someone that was in a, two people that were in a zebra costume, just like chasing chasing some burglars. If my grandpa walks in the house and told that story, be like, "Oh, someone's not taking their pills." <laughs> <laughs> you just wouldn't believe it, would you? <laughs> exactly. Well, Nathan, that was the Pink Panther. We did it. We got the through Pink it. The Pink Panther. Who will accept the challenge of watching the Pink Panther? I will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lovely listeners, thank you so much for tuning in once again to Classic Movie Banter. If you want more of this, check us out on our social media platforms. We got them. include em. our Instagram, our YouTube channel, our email. <laughs> 
and our Twitter. <laughs> he's like a kid who's like trying to show off his like trading cards, and he's like, "Oh, I've got uh, uh, email." <laughs> exactly. But seriously, like, tell us what you thought of the Pink Panther. I think our opinion's pretty divisive. So, so tell us if we're wrong, which we probably are most of the time. So, tell us if we're idiots or, or if you agree with us. And more importantly, let us know what film we should review next time on the show. If you really want to help us out, you could give us a review on the iTunes app. That would just be so, so good. Really, it'd be so good. It'd be like getting a real Pink Panther jewel, Nathan. That's oh, what a five-star review. The is. real Pink Panther jewel of this podcast is our listeners, obviously. All of them are jewels in our eyes. I couldn't have said it better myself. But until next week, uh, Nathan, time to go get that Royale with cheese we are going to go get. Oh, mate. Fuck, I would actually kill for a cheeseburger right now. Let's just go. I'm keen for a Macca's run. Let's do it. Let's do Woo! it. Drive through. Drive through all the way. Let's go. Get in the feed. Yeah, boy. I'm bugger.